Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello, we're here. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm assuming you're glad we delayed a day to record so we didn't just have to talk about Sora arriving uh, or, or coming to Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, I know you're a huge Disney fan, but there's no Disney. It's just Final Fantasy characters that are coming, so. Yeah, honestly, I mean, like, so guys, we normally record uh, on Tuesdays, and we were going to record yesterday, but, you know, there wasn't too much news going on, and Alan Wake Remastered came out yesterday, but I hadn't had a lot of chance to play yet, so I was like, you know what, if you wouldn't mind, can we just push a day? I'll get some time in on Alan Wake. We'll have a little bit more of a fleshed-out show. It'll be better content. Don't worry, Ryan. And then literally my phone blew up this morning because uh, I don't know if you guys know, um, I think I have talked about going back to school, but um, I'm actually in school for information security right now. So my Twitter is a very interesting intersection of information security and video games, which if you're not aware, came to a head this morning because Twitch was breached in a way that we haven't seen a company be breached in the video game sphere, I think, ever. I don't ever remember a breach this bad. I know that we've had... We've had all kinds of leaks. We've had um, like user data go out sometimes. We've had like code for games be leaked. You know, there's it's not that there are no breaches in the video game space, but the size of this Twitch breach is mind blowingly big. Uh, and we're going to talk about that later in the news. But uh, yeah, let's just say it's it's not going to be a light show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, this morning I saw the I saw the news and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, well, it's going to be one of those shows where we and and we only have day one of news in in terms of the story. So we'll be talking about it next week, I'm sure, as 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 they uh, sort out exactly how and when and 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 all those details of what happens. So Mm -hmm. um, stay tuned for that as well. Yes, absolutely. But before we get into that, we're going to keep it a little bit lighter off the top here. We're going to talk about what we're playing, what we're enjoying. Uh, Ryan, did you want to go first or did you want me to jump into Alan Wake? What's your call? Oh, I want to hear about Alan Wake because okay. uh, I remember enjoying that game on the on the 360 back in the day. And the fact that they're bringing it back and they've uh, they've now connected it to the Remedy universe with uh, Control I have not played the Control DLC that that sort of connects it, but I'm I'm curious how this remaster uh, fares on current gen systems. Yeah. So okay. First and foremost, I honestly I don't know how this game originally like flew under my radar. Um, I know I remember you talking about it, and I own it. Hmm. I looked up Alan Wake on Steam because I wasn't a hundred percent sure like where I could get it. And uh, so I looked it up on Steam and it's like the first like five results all have the little blue tag that means like in your library, in your library, in your library, in your library. So I'm like, damn, I've had this for who knows how long. I don't know if it was like a humble bundle thing or like uh, I just saw it on a Steam sale at some point and went, oh, I think Ryan liked that game. It's $2. Add to cart. Like because it is the original Alan Wake, I think, came out in 2011 or maybe 2010. It's been like 10 or more years since the original came out at this point. And um, it's like, 
it's right up my alley. And I'm really glad that I ended up like, not that we knew that this remaster was coming, but I'm glad that I'm playing this version instead of like maybe a couple of years ago, trying to play like a seven or eight year old game, because the biggest thing that uh, the devs said was basically they thought that their combat system stood up and they didn't want to make any changes to it. So most of what was changed is very visual focused. So lots of new textures, um, not completely new, but somewhat updated animations. Uh, lots of work was done on the cut scenes. I will say um, the facial animations definitely are very 2010. Um, so those, uh, the kind of, um, like, I guess the character models got an update, but the underlying, you couldn't really see like the underlying like armature basically like what the character model is built on is still very um dated looking i guess um but it's not that bad like it's it's better than playable <laughs> like it's it's only every once in a while it's a little bit janky but it's really not all that bad and the like monster characters in alan wake which um, was kind of a surprise to me that there are monster characters because everyone kept calling this Twin Peaks. And I will say, I also have not seen Twin Peaks. Maybe there's a supernatural element in Twin Peaks I'm unaware of, but I definitely thought I was in for like a murder mystery. <laughs> like something on the level of maybe like heavy rain. Like I thought I was going to be like a detective. <laughs> and then no. all of a sudden, like right from the get go, it throws you right in with this like crazy, like nightmare world. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I was not emotionally prepared for jump scaring supernatural shenanigans, but that's what this is. And I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I was not ready for it. And I had to stop playing last night because I jumped in. Um, so I downloaded it and got it already and whatever. And then I had to raid in Warcraft. And so I started after raid and my raid finishes at 1230. So by the time I actually got into the game, it was between 1230 and 1am. And I played for about an hour and I was like, I need to stop because I'm not going to be able to sleep because it was just like hardcore adrenaline rush with all of these freaking jump scares from like literally minute one. <laughs> I was like, wow, I was just not ready for this at all. <laughs> yeah, I think when I uh, I gave you sort of the 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 this game is like this. And I, I think I said Twin Peaks, but I should have yeah. probably been clearer. Um, and, and maybe I just wasn't remembering. But now that you you texted me, it's like, oh, this is a little more of a scarier game than I thought. I think it plays up the sort of psychological horror. It's not really, uh, I don't want to use, you know, jump scares. I don't know if it's much jump scares and more just like creep factor ryan is there, there jump scares? Are so okay. many jump scares it's been 10 years <laughs> you know i have that i mean like you've gotten me before where you've been like oh there's no jump scares and then within the first like two minutes there's a jump scare and i'm like damn it ryan so i'm going to tell you kind <laughs> listener that there are things that will jump out at you there are very loud sounds out of nowhere there are all the things that make up a jump scare happen often in Alan Wake. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess I was wrong and or forgot. Um, I think that, <laughs> yeah, like thinking back, it's 
it's definitely a game that takes place you're alone in a in a forest in the middle of the night and i'm pretty sure your flashlight runs on batteries that you have to collect yeah yes and so uh, i will say uh because i wanted to kind of get through as much as i possibly could as fast as i possibly could so that i could talk about it today i am playing on easy mode which I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like the enemies I have to defeat uh, are only take a couple of shots, um, not counting any boss type encounters, but just like the general things that are running at me. And I, you know what? I'm going to say like um, light spoilers. I'm going to try to keep it as spoiler free as I can um, while still talking about mechanics. But if you are trying to be spoiler free and you really want to try Alan Wake, then maybe skip ahead a little bit because basically uh, this seems to be a game. It's very much a mystery and you're trying to figure out what's going on. So I'm afraid that like anything I say could potentially be a spoiler and might ruin some stuff. And I really don't want to because this game seems awesome. Like I am really, really digging it right now to the point that there's like there's these radio shows, there's these like TV shows and stuff that you find. And like, I'm in the middle of a freaking horror game and I'm literally standing in front of a TV and watching this like five minute TV show. And I'm like, so absorbed by it. And then like, it's like the TV show will like end and then I'll be like, Oh, wait, right. I'm in a horror game. <laughs> like, I should probably get moving. <laughs> like, but it just, it's so, um, it's such an interesting universe and it is built very well, I think. And it's like pulling in a lot of references to things I'm already familiar with. I mean, they start off with a quote from Stephen King. Like, that's literally the first thing the voiceover does is start talking about Stephen King. I'm like, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. So, like, it's definitely right up my alley. So I don't want anyone to get spoiled if they're trying, if they think they might want to play it, because I think that there's a lot of really good in here that's worth a kind of fresh set of eyes. So that being said, I'm going to talk about some mechanics that are going to spoil some of the story. I am, however, only about halfway through episode two, so I'm not very far. So this is all very beginning parts of the game. But um, yeah, so... In terms of playing on easy mode, the like um, shadow figure guys that like run at you in the woods, it only takes me like two shots from the revolver to kill them. So like easy mode wise, I think they have like um, decreased the amount of or like the health on the enemies as well as to your point about the the flashlight with the batteries that die. Um, I have like 20 flashlight batteries right now. Like <laughs> my flashlight's never going to die. <laughs> So I think that there's like an increase in resources and a decrease in enemy health. It's interesting. Like, um, I don't remember a lot about the gameplay mechanics, but I remember the flashlight being critical. Yes, it is. It definitely is. So like, so basically um, there are these kind of like nightmarish creatures that are like people possessed by darkness so the idea is you you shine your flashlight on them and like burn the darkness out of them which then makes them vulnerable and then you can shoot them and you have like very very limited number of flares which do both at the same time burn the darkness out and deal damage then you have your flashlight combined with a, a gun of some kind so there's a shotgun there's a revolver that kind of stuff so uh very much like Things you would find in, I don't know, Montana in the woods. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I don't know, um, like in hunting cabins and stuff. Like it didn't seem like a stretch to me that I'd like walk into a shed and there's a shotgun and some shells laying on a shelf, like not responsible gun ownership, but it's still realistic, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I remember this game having incredible atmosphere and the fact that you mentioned like um, the TV shows and stuff and kind of a precursor to Quantum Break. And when you really think mm. about it's kind of the backlash to Quantum Break and, and, and the they did it more like it was part game, part TV show where you had to engage with the TV show in order to understand what was going on mm-hmm. with the game. Whereas in Alan Wake and Control as well, you could walk up to these projectors, these TV screens and watch the full five minute video or you could walk away and and, and it wouldn't impact and you. And continue on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, these are all just kind of like collectibles as far as I can tell that are flushing out the universe. So like the radio show is like the overnight DJ guy. Um, the, um, the TV show is like the Twilight Zone, but like not branded as that, but you can definitely tell like that's what they're going for sort of deal. Um, but they're talking about like infinite universe theory and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and it's it's really, really cool. And so I found that the like collectibles, like the universe building to be really interesting to me. So, I mean, this I'm so I can't believe I missed it the first time around. I'm really happy that I found it this time around because I really, really, really think it's a great game. Um, mechanics wise, it's pretty good, like in terms of the the combat, because it kind of like rides this line between you feeling like the enemies are like overpowered versus you being like, it still maintains a little bit of your helplessness, I guess. Uh, Cause you do have to reload the flashlight the same way as you would like reload a gun with your batteries instead of bullets sort of deal. Um, but like they move really fast. Some of them have ranged weapons. Uh, like you really do feel frantic but not frantic in a poorly designed way, if that makes sense. Like the the feeling fits the game. Is you like you should be a little bit off. Like you should be. You're already like questioning your own reality and trying to figure out the hell is going on. And then on top of that, you've got these crazy monster, like shadow monsters coming after you. They're literally shadow people, Ryan. Like the shadow people have come for me and they're in Alan Wake. Like <laughs> Maybe that's why you never played the game. Because Maybe. Maybe you're just too close to home. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you were already experiencing these shadow people and you needed a magic flashlight. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a magic flashlight. Yeah. It, well, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, so there's and it's really it's it's interesting because do you remember when you were talking about um, oh crap now I can't remember uh, exactly the name of it we played it earlier on this year uh, you were switching between two perspectives it was an old Soviet like retreat thing oh, there was like a supernatural world and your world oh the medium medium thank you yes <laughs> now, now the only thing I'm, in my mind is like is it the medium or medium I think it was. I think it was just medium. I think it was just medium. The medium yeah. was a, 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 a okay TV show. I, I can't remember. <laughs> it sounds like a TV show, doesn't it? It does. When you were talking about medium earlier this year, uh, one of the things that I remember that you said specifically was that there were like safe zones almost. Like there were there were times when you could really tell that you were meant to explore. 
And I feel like Alan Wake has done that as well. Again, I'm only in episode two, but it's like in episode one, there's very specific parts where like you're walking through the woods at night, but then like you're exploring the town during the day. And then in episode two, you're up at this like national park and you're looking at cabins and stuff. And again, during the day and then you're it's about to get dark again, which is the point in the game where I'm at. You're about to go into the woods because you get sent this message and you have to go to a specific place at midnight. And I'm not going to tell you why, but that's the thing that happens. So it's very clearly about to be dark in the woods again. <laughs> and so I'm about to get into a combat kind of phase as opposed to like an exploration phase. And the reason why I say there's so many freaking jump scares is because technically I'm safe from the shadow monsters during the day, but I am not safe from crazy freaking jump scares during the day. <laughs> like there's just, and the other thing I will say about, um, like animations and mechanics, the only thing that is kind of like bothered me so far is the so the way that you open doors, there's no button to push to open the door. You just kind of like face plant into it. <laughs> okay. And and so you either face plant into it and then jiggle the handle and it's locked, or you face plant into it and it freaking flies open and you like stumble into the room. Well, you don't stumble, but you basically like run into the room and there is no like you can't control it at all. So it just kind of like throws you into this new space that you weren't even 100% sure that you're going into. So you're already a little bit off kilter. And nine times out of 10, something's going to jump scare you. <laughs> and if it's if there's nothing in the room that's going to jump scare you, it's going to be the freaking door. <laughs> it's going to like fly back in your face again. <laughs> like it's the weirdest physics ever. It's like they're just like the devs lived in a house with no doors or something and they're just like doors how do you even doors i don't know i think you put your face into it okay clearly <laughs> there's there's two explanations here uh, door physics was tough 10 years ago or they uh, they only lived in houses that had those like weird uh, restaurant doors like when you're running into the kitchen with a pile of dishes oh, yeah. Are they like I don't know what they're called yeah those but... ones the the hinged ones they kind of go both ways galley doors galley doors yeah. I think that's what they're called. <laughs> I think that's like the Western style where they're like, oh, maybe, more yeah, shade maybe like doors. The saloon doors. <laughs> saloon doors, yeah. And you just, you just, they just, they're on a, they're, they're oiled every day. So they never make a sound <laughs> and they move like butter. Um, oh, God. I don't know. But I just like, or, you know, also, like I said, there is a certain level of like frantic feeling to the combat. So maybe this is done purposefully <laughs> maybe like, it, it feels like maybe it's just like a physics animation artifact of 10 years ago but um it also definitely works right like i am stumbling quickly into a new environment in a horror game which is going to put me on edge and kind of off kilter and then because I'm not even sure, because like I said, there's no button push or anything. There's no prompt. There's no way to know if you're going to be able to open a door or not until you're opening it. Um, so there's that level of not knowing that kind of feeds into just the feeling of of unsettledness and horror in the game. So, I mean, as much as I think it's kind of glitchy and it was like, God damn it, why is this happening? Like at the beginning um, where, I mean, you guys know how I play horror games and it's hard for me to put one foot in front of another. So when I'm putting one foot in front of another and all of a sudden taking 25 steps I didn't mean to take, that's going to throw me off. 
and I'm not going to like it. But um, I think in the end, it kind of works, even if it is like, for lack of a better description, like a technical glitch or a technical limitation, right? <laughs> it kind of just works, <laughs> oddly. Yeah. Yeah, I remember this game being really cool, and I'm I'm glad they they did eventually remaster it. And and uh, you know we were looking over it last night. It's like forty dollars, uh, and this is Canadian. Forty dollars is like I think it's thirty in the states. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. I think is the right way to go about these sort of remasters. And this is a this is a ten year upgrade uh, to the game. It's not from the ground up, but I feel like when you look at it, there's this bar when it comes to remasters of like. Uh, does it look like how you remember it looked? But uh, obviously, that's not how it looked ten years ago. Yeah, the the faces to me look a lot different. Like I've mm-hmm. seen side by side comparisons, and they obviously made a lot of changes. Like it's still the same character, but it very much like big big updates. And I think, um, at least to my eye, again, not knowing really what the original looked like or played like, um the like foliage which when you're playing a game that takes place at night in the forest like your foliage is gonna be a lot of your setting and i think it looks really good the the water looks incredible and like the only thing that i will say like uh, animations aside like facial animations and and movement animations aside um although i think that the animations on the enemies actually look a little bit better because of their like their darkness possession effect is very like smoky so it kind of hides their movements a little bit and so the animations of the enemies look better than the animation of your character as a result but um yeah like animations aside i think the only thing that i kind of like look at and really shows its age are two textures in particular like the skin textures on the people sometimes reflect a little bit too much light and they look like Barbie doll plastic sometimes, which is a little bit off-putting. And then um, cars, for whatever reason, like every other metal texture in the game is fine, but then like cars look way over shiny, again, to the point of looking like plastic and fake. And everything else looks fairly realistic, like, you know, leaves and bark and rope and other metal textures, like any kind of wood textures in the houses and glass, like all of that stuff looks great. But then for some reason, you look at a car and it looks like somebody stood there for like 10 years polishing the damn thing because it's almost a mirror. And I'm just like, this is not how cars look. (laughs) So yeah, those are the only two things that I really kind of went, huh. And there's a lot of like cars and people at the very beginning. So it's super noticeable. Um, but as soon as you start to get like into the cabin and out into the woods and and that kind of stuff, then there's there's much less of those kind of like textures in the game that are really noticeable is kind of odd. Um, but yeah, like I'm really enjoying it. It's a cool freaking story. It's an interesting universe. And like, I want to play all the way through this, get all the way through control, go replay Quantum Break and just like get into this universe because like, damn, is it interesting? Yeah, I need to this this whole conversation is just reminding me that uh, that I did not play the control DLC while I thoroughly enjoyed control. I have the DLC. It's installed. It's purchased. I just need to sit down and play it. So uh you play through all of the things you listed. I will go back to the DLC and uh and we will. I was going to say, yeah, maybe while I'm playing through Alan Wake, 
you can play the control DLC and then you can tell me how they're connected. Yeah, there is specific. So there's specifically like an Alan Wake chapter in the DLC. And from what people have said, like it's it's really well done and kind of there there are hints to Alan Wake in the main game of control, but it's more like the stuff that happened in Alan Wake is um, footnotes in control because control deals with the Bureau of weird shit i can't remember what they right. actually yeah, called it yeah i can't it. remember what it's called but like <laughs> <laughs> it's not that trust me they they're writers they came up with a, a much better name i think it's bureau of paranormal stuff it i'm would getting be hilarious though if it actually was called that the bureau of weird shit because yeah. then it's just got this feeling of like you know what like just this this like old grizzled guy with like a whiskey in his hand like we don't even know anymore there's just so much going on we can't explain we're just we're just the bureau of weird shit yeah that's it we're not even gonna try to come up with a name because the, the universe is gonna explode or be ghosts or yeah. something we don't know <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff in that like i i this is not a joke i think there's one where there's like a fridge and if you if someone has to be looking at it at all times and they have like a shift sign up and one of the quests is like find out where this dude went because he he wasn't looking at the fridge during his shift and he disappeared into the <laughs> fridge. So like, and, and it, this is weird, you know, it's, it's, it's weird stuff going on in control. And I think like there are footnotes in certain areas where it's like, this is the typewriter that transported mm. blah, blah, blah. And, um, careful with the spoilers. It, I don't. Yeah. That's why I said, well, anyways, it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> There's there's some weird shit going on in Alan Wake as well. I didn't. There's no Alan Wake too, um, and that that is a good point too because this remaster has the the two DLCs, the story DLCs that were released for Alan Wake. I don't believe it does not include. There was like a secondary sort of spin-off game that came out. I think it was Alan Wake American. Yeah, American Nightmare or something. Cause so there is the two DLCs are included. Mm-hmm. Um but I think you're right, the the American Nightmare thing I think isn't. I remember that I never played it. Um I remember it being more like, hey, the game the gameplay, the combat structure of Alan Wake was really well done. Let's transport that into more of like an arcade style experience i think it was kind of closer to a horde mode that you had uh, because gears Mm. was making waves with their horde mode and everyone was getting horde mode and you had halo getting it and and i think alan wake kind of did a little bit with that too and it was more of like a like an arena sort of i i could be completely wrong but i remember it being more Mm. arcade and less story you know yeah, so it does say, so Remaster does include the first two DLC pieces um, that were, in, or I guess, um, I was just saying included on the 360, but they weren't included. Obviously, they were DLC. Um, it's uh, called, the first one's called The Signal, and the second one's called The Writer. Um, and both of those DLCs are included, but that's it. Hmm. Yeah, this one... Um... Yeah, though I remember that DLC being very strong. And again, like if you haven't played any of Remedy's games, um I'm I'm pretty sure Control is on Game Pass, but it's not the it, it it's not the ultimate edition because the way they did it 
with the Ultimate Edition was it was a separate release from the main game. So you don't get the next-gen version from Game Pass. You're going to be playing the Xbox One uh, version. But uh, Control Ultimate Edition did come out for PlayStation Plus earlier this year. So if you did pick it up there and you haven't played it, that's a great place to play it. But honestly, it goes on sale everywhere. And if you are looking for a way to jump in to a more recent game, I think Control is really good. But uh, you can't go wrong with with Alan Wake as well because it, it sounds like as part of this Epic deal, and this is important to note, if you're if you're wanting to buy it on PC, it's Epic exclusive. Mm. Um, it's cheaper on the Epic Game Store if if that helps. Uh, and they've got a publishing deal with Remedy where there has been rumors, and this remake falls in line or remaster falls in line with those rumors that they're working on an Alan Wake two that will have a similar publishing deal. Um, and Alan Wake 2 would be part of the the next game in the Remedy sort of universe. So it's a good time to play this. Um, but so, yeah, you can, uh, like you said, it's on PC. It's an Epic exclusive, um, but you can play it on Xbox, which is where I'm playing it. Um, and also, apparently for the first time, it is also available on PlayStation. So that's that's also kind of a pretty big deal that's come out of this. So the exclusivity on the PC side... Um, comes in that you have to buy it through the Epic Store, um, but on console, it is available on both, which is pretty cool. So where it was console exclusive and available on Steam, now it's kind of like flipped. (laughs) Yeah, it was published by Microsoft back in the day um, Mm -hmm. when Microsoft was sort of snapping up, doing some stuff similar to to what what people despise of PlayStation and, and Epic for doing in that, like, you know, snapping up these these console exclusives. And uh, Remedy actually bought back the the rights to Alan Wake from mm-hmm. Microsoft, similar to what, um, actually, I can't, I can't think, I, I can only think of the opposite where Microsoft bought the rights to like Halo and Gears anyways. But uh, yeah, Remedy now owns Alan Wake in, in completion. So they have, they have now been able to release this and, and it's step one in, I think, a, a, a bigger journey for, for Alan or Mr. Wake, if, if you'd rather call <laughs> Alan and Remedy and, yeah. and the whole the whole nine. So, yeah, um, I'm going to give you uh, probably more spoilery thoughts um, next week because I'm I'm like, honestly, this game has like got its claws into me. I can see myself finishing it by next week. So uh, stay tuned for more on Alan Wake. But I think uh, if you're thinking about this, it's definitely a game worth picking up. Um, I think they did a really good job. So, and especially if you've never played it before, like me, like it's, it's a really cool universe and it seems uh, really, really interesting so far. So go and check it out. Uh, Ryan, tell me about Life is Strange Two Colors. You got some DLC this week? Yeah. So we're back to Life is Strange Two Colors. Um, I think I did hint, you know, earlier in our discussions, um, not last week, but the week before that there was going to be some DLC dropping at the end of the month. And uh, yeah, Wavelengths is the the DLC that that came out, and this is uh this is this was part of the review code that I received. But if you're looking to pick it up, it's part of the deluxe edition or the ultimate editions of the games, and you you can upgrade your your standard edition. I think it's like eighteen bucks um, as an as an upgrade. Which uh, from from what I played, like it's a, it's a it's not as significant as as the main game. Obviously, this is DLC. But it's about a three to five hour story, which I think kind of falls in line with like the traditional price of DLC. Like DLC's kind of gone up in price. Um, like a story piece of DLC usually ranges from I think twenty to thirty dollars these days. Like that Final Fantasy 
I don't want to call it an epilogue, but that Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake episode, uh, they're not done. <laughs> they're not even close to an epilogue with that one. Um, that one was like 30 bucks. So if you're looking for more Life is Strange, like this is a, a good sort of topper to that True true Colors experience. And it deals specifically with one character. It's very focused, both in the characters that are in the game and um, also the locale. So you're playing as Steph, which is a character from Before the Storm, which was the prequel to Life is Strange 1, um, which had its many issues, uh, <laughs> except for Steph, who was the best character in that game. I don't remember Steph. She, uh, so I'm trying to remember like the best way to describe her. Like she was sort of like the punk uh, rock band uh, person. She was very much into D&D. Like I think if you got to the second episode of, so Before the Storm had three episodes. I think in the second episode, and you controlled Chloe and her power was um, oh, okay, snark. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I did not make this. Uh, I don't even think I made this. Uh, like made it through the first episode. I don't think of Before the Storm. There's a there's an episode about why that is likely the case, but uh, yeah, that that uh, Before the Storm was not great. It dealt. It focused in on some of the not so great qualities of of life is strange that we didn't like and kind of dropped a lot of the stuff that uh, that we liked which was the powers and um and and more of chloe's adventures as or not chloe max's adventures instead of chloe chloe is not our favorite character um and and you and you'll you'll be happy to know she barely she does not even really play a part in this game she she has some some flashbacks in this DLC so they do kind of tie it back to the original Life is Strange, which I know a lot of fans deeply love. Um, us, not so much. It's not like we don't look at Life is Strange as like, man, I can't wait to go back to Arcadia Bay. It's like, I'm pretty sure Arcadia Bay is either a smoking crater. I don't know. Did you destroy Arcadia Bay? I can't remember what our final choices I were. I think so. I don't remember now. <laughs> the destroy <laughs> <But> option. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, the way I was feeling at the end of that game if it gave me the option to blow that town up, I probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and then that plays a part. So right at the start of this uh, DLC, you are given the option like, hey, what'd you do at the end of one? Did you destroy Arcadia Bay, which would allow Max and Chloe to uh, to basically save Chloe because Chloe is destined to, to die at the beginning of Life is Strange. And the whole reason this storm is coming is because you've you've messed with the space time continuum. Um, and, uh, or you could, you could save Arcadia Bay, which ultimately, um, kills, uh, kills Chloe at the, at the beginning of that game. And, uh, in, in wavelengths, uh, you are, you, like I said, you're playing as Steph. It very much focuses in on her time, uh, at, uh, Haven Springs, which is the town you're in. So it's, it's the same town as True Colors. They have you in the record shop. So it starts a year before True Colors and it's kind of introducing you to Steph starting at the record store, um, becoming a, a radio DJ. So there's like a radio sort of station inside the record store. And all this is pre-existing sort of assets. These are environments that already existed. They pulled them from the main game. However, Jocelyn, they add a back room. And trust me, it's not as exciting as it sounds. It's, it is just oh. a back room. <laughs> it's literally like the closet. There's a reason they didn't have it in the main game. It's just, it's just the, 
<laughs> it's like at first it's um so it takes place over a year and, and you're experiencing each season so the first time you get into the back room it's like whoa no one's been in here in years because it's just cluttered with stuff you can literally just step foot into it to interact with some of the objects but over time it does become clearer and clearer and you're able to explore more of it but it's not a significant new area it's just really like another room like the core sort of um what I really liked about the DLC was basically as a, as a radio DJ, you are, you know, having to perform the tasks of a radio DJ. So you're like taking calls from listeners. Uh, you're, you're reading ad spots. So there's a lot of that like dialogue. Cause again, like Steph was the most interesting character from before the storm. And she was very likable and true colors. So getting more of her performances was, uh, was a lot of fun. And again, the dialogue I think is matured up from, what we didn't like in the first life is strange. Like, I feel like these are more young adults who um, make better choices (laughs) uh, in terms of, in terms of dialogue and stuff. And, and I think that carries over with the, with my feedback from true colors is that if, like I said, it feels more mature. You are given options that are clearly like, Oh wow. They, they tried to stick a, a life is strange choice in here, but they still gave me like, the non-annoying answer, which is really nice. Um, so I really appreciated that. But uh, there are no powers in this one. So again, like, that's one of the struggles with with Life is Strange when you say to me, like, oh, we're going to provide this story, but there's no powers. I'm like, but that's your hook, right? That's the whole reason Life is Strange is so cool. Yeah, that's why it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's legit, like, the reason that this, the, you know, that's, I mean, you could even argue it's only part, but still, like, it's a big part of of this game. So I was going in pretty much like, ah, is this, is this going to be interesting uh, because you don't have, you don't have powers? Like, again, True Colors, her, you know, Alex's powers were one of the most interesting parts. Um, but they kind of, they try to make up for that in not as an annoying way as before the storm where in before the storm, like Chloe's power was like to annoy adults. <laughs> like that was literally her power. And uh, in, in this one, they kind of take it and they, and they sort of incorporate it into her love of D and D. So she really loves sort of, they don't call it Dungeons and Dragons. They, they call it something else, but I'm going to call it Dungeons and Dragons. Um, when she gets calls on the radio, she kind of starts doing uh like fortune telling. So when someone will, will come in and they kind of think she's like a psychic, but she says, I'm a fake psychic. So when someone asks me a question, I roll my D20. And then based on that role, I'll give you sort of your fortune. Um, and I think that's where some of the choices came in where like the roles are predetermined. Like that's not, it's not random there, but like you'll roll a five for someone saying like, Oh, I'm, I'm uh, going to dinner with uh with my my girlfriend for the first time like how's it gonna go and she rolls a five and you have the option like well five's really low it's probably gonna go bad but how do i like say it in a way where it doesn't go as planned but like the future is still okay so you can kind of like make those choices and, and have a conversation with the characters to to tell their tell their fortune and it's just like story moments like it's not there's no consequences to these. There are more dialogue options as things go along with that sort of stuff, but it's more like just telling this story for, for Steph. And I, and I really thought like, okay, this is just filling in the gaps of what Steph did for the year, which again, like 
we didn't really need to know like how she fit into Haven Springs. Like it's interesting. It's good for people who like the character. But what I really liked is they, they kind of brought it back to the original life is strange where, and then the choice of what happened to Arcadia Bay comes into play because you have a friend who survived or left Arcadia Bay before the storm, just like you did. And uh, I chose, I destroyed it. And there's a whole chapter where you're playing D&D over a computer with your friend who who lives, um, I don't know, I don't remember where he lives, but he, he does, he's not in Haven Springs and he's not in Arcadia Bay. But you have this like, you, you know, you're, you're having a rough go and you find out you're having a rough go is because it's the, it's the anniversary of the big storm that took out Arcadia Bay. And it kind of deals with, you know, Steph mourning her, her mother who died in the storm and, uh, your friend Mikey's, you know, uh, mourning the death, the anniversary of his death of his brother from the storm. So like they kind of address sort of what happened from life is strange. Cause again, in true colors, like there's this character who had loved ones at Arcadia Bay that were part of Life is Strange, and it just kind of goes unaddressed. And then they kind of address it here in the DLC. So, like, if you really enjoyed Life is Strange, you want to learn more about this character and why she doesn't even bring up Arcadia Bay at all in the main game. Like, this kind of fills in those gaps, um, which was honestly really well done. I think they did a really good job of you know, taking that one choice from the first game and using it to kind of explore what maybe happened to Steph and, and her loved ones within the context of that uh, of that choice. And it was really well, really well done. I think they, they did a good job. Did you try to, um, like, say that you chose the other thing? <laughs> I didn't, but I did look it up. Oh, okay, because I was going to say, I'm kind of curious because, like... I mean, as somebody that I'm pretty sure just like destroyed the town and because I do remember like I'm pretty sure like Chloe and Max like drove off into mm-hmm. the sunset at the end. So I think I made the destroy the town choice. Um, but I'm interested to know like what they canonically believe to have happened if you didn't destroy the town and like why would she have left or if you didn't destroy the town, did like everybody who died in the storm die of natural causes anyways? And did this conversation, was it still basically the same? Like <laughs> what kind of consequences are we talking here <laughs> to that choice? Yeah. Well, I'm not feeling guilty. You're feeling guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I looked it up because, uh, you know, it, it is a smaller part of the overall DLC. It can be considered a spoiler, but I, but I think it's really interesting in the way they deal with it. So, um, if you chose to destroy Arcadia Bay, like I said, you're you're mourning, you know, Steph is mourning her mother, um, Mikey, who's also, you know, having these same feelings around the same time, uh, because again, it's all season, it's all seasonal. So she, while she's setting up for Halloween, she's having these sort of flashbacks um, to this call she had with her mom just before the storm, and and Mikey is feeling the same feelings because he lost his brother, and Chloe does get a mention. And this is kind of where maybe it's a little like a little want want you know like they don't want to focus on chloe and i'm glad they didn't but they do address chloe and max because they do survive when, when you choose the the arcadia bay destroyed option they say like oh have you heard from chloe because they're close friends like in before the storm they very much established that chloe is part of this group of friends that includes steph before steph leaves um I can't remember why she leaves. I think she moves to Seattle for for some maybe for school. Uh, I, I didn't 
I didn't refresh my memory on that. But if you choose um, to basically save Arcadia Bay, what happens is uh, you're you're both you're both sort of mourning the death of Chloe, right? Because Chloe was your friend. The story still progresses in the same sort of way, in that they're both in mourning. It's just. Are they mourning Chloe or are they mourning somebody else? Yeah, exactly. So, like, the dialogue probably shifts. Which, again, like, uh, I don't know. This was also one of my kind of problems is that, like, they very much sold this game on your choices matter. And it's like, (laughs) but, like, do they? Like, if if your main story arc is still your two main characters in this scene are in mourning... And all you do is change the reason, then does it really matter what your choice was? Like, <laughs> I think, yeah, you're right to to a degree. I think you're certainly right because um, the characters are still moving through the same motions. They're just yeah. dealing with different, different, uh, different characters who have who have passed away. And from what I remember before the storm. Like yeah, they were very close with with Chloe, but um, yeah, like it's 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 tough to say. Uh, I think like when it comes to player choice in video games, it hardly ever matters. I mean, I remember with the True Colors, there it, it appeared as though if you made enough different choices, it kind of worked out in the end where you might not get the best ending. At the end of it all, like you still get the ending. But you might not get like a as satisfying an ending, like in terms of which characters um, sided with you. Not in terms of death. I I ultimately feel that when it comes to player choice, um, until dawn kind of nailed it, and everything at, like until dawn nailed it. I think like where you had these characters that could die and would be dead, and it would change the ending. And I don't even think that developer. Uh, can't remember their name but i know they do the dark pictures anthology i don't think mm-hmm. they've even like captured that feeling again with like man of Medan and, and stuff like that there's a little bit of it there but it's not as like grand in scope as until dawn was you mm-hmm. know and yeah like do choices even matter like i think i think if you're playing these games for you know the 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 choice i think it's not as it's not in their marketing anymore, right? It's it's in the telltale yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like back in the day, like that was always like, and your choices matter. It's it's not necessarily like a box quote these days because I think people they will on. remember this. <laughs> yeah, but will they? Yeah. Do they really? <laughs> it's in there somewhere. It's in the back of their mind. They'll think about it later when it's convenient. I I never got this like in this in this specific example. It was just setting up a way of like, how can we address? you know, the history of this character who very much was in Arcadia Bay. Because again, like, this DLC wouldn't need to exist if Steph didn't have some backstory connected to a previous game. And I think they do a good job of sort of addressing her history as well as Mikey's history from Arcadia Bay and pull in um, sort of the stuff that happened both in Life is Strange and Before the Storm. But I think that you have to appreciate and have played before the storm and life is strange one to sort of understand that chunk of the story. But other than that, other than that, like 30 minute to an hour segment um, and sort of the other stuff sprinkled, you know, in between, you can kind of just enjoy it as a true colors 
adjacent experience. Um, there really is like a small amount that deals with uh, specifically Arcadia Bay, and it, and it is the fall season, uh, the fall chapter. But uh, as someone who did play those games, I did appreciate them trying to connect it, and I felt they connected it quite well. But you're right, like, it, depending on what you choose, like, the gameplay doesn't change. The dialogue slightly differs in terms of them mourning different characters. Um so that's that's definitely something to keep in mind. But uh, I did not go back and change the choice. I, I just kind of looked it up and I was like, it would be interesting to see how they handle it. But like they kind of wave away the whole other big thing is that like, yeah, Chloe and Max survived. But essentially what they say they do is like, yeah, they just got out of there and they've they've been living a quiet life now. And I'm like, well, that's a bit of a cop out, you know, you know, they never reach out to your, your good friends, uh, after they destroyed a whole town. Hmm. <laughs> so that's you're right. That is the one thing of this whole experience. That's kind of like, eh, it's nice that you addressed it, but you kind of left me hanging a little bit in terms of, uh, in terms of Chloe and Max at the end of that life is strange. Um, and they've just never gone back to it. They've always addressed it. I think life is strange to, also took that choice into effect but it was just like whether or not as you were driving by on the highway and you see an arcadia bay sign and as the the camera pulls out it's either a crater or a town <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like yeah we get it you guys hit it big with life is strange and you want to keep addressing you know the the crater in the room but uh <laughs> you know like they get they came they did a little bit more with it here and uh but they did they still didn't like go f- full in and go like yeah we're gonna we're gonna address all of your questions but this is very much a steph story and i had a lot of fun doing the radio dj stuff and like answering the calls and like doing the dialogue choices there and uh you know even running around and interacting with you know different stuff around the environments and um yeah it was just really cool to go back to that that like area one more time and and explore this character and and the game does like I said, it's three to five hours and it, and it really takes you from the start of Steph working at that record store right up into the start of True Colors. So it is it is very much like a prequel chapter, essentially. Mm. Um, it's not a, like it's a not prologue. The, yeah, it's, it's definitely like a prologue about this one specific character. There are uh, no other characters that appear in the same environment as you. It's it's really just you in the record store like i'm surprised they they are able to stay open because there was not one customer that walks in <laughs> like i said it's a very small scope in terms of what yeah. they're trying to do um but it doesn't you don't feel alone because again you're getting these calls in the radio uh, station you're uh, essentially doing D over skype with mikey so there are a lot of interactions but um there are no like you know in you know uh face-to-face interactions so to speak that are happening right yeah so but i but i did enjoy it i i really did like it and again like if you if you like steph as a character and she is probably the best character in all of life is strange like it made sense to do this dlc and also to to tie it into the uh to the other earlier life is strange games and i think they succeed on that like they're able to to do do that nod without without getting into the weeds but i i, I do wish they had done a little bit more there but I can appreciate what they did do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. So uh, I'm really glad. So is that it now for the Life is Strange universe? Like there's there's nothing else coming down the pipeline in terms of DLC. It's it's wrapped. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I think it's all done. Like, I think, uh, you know, Life is Strange True Colors is is complete in, in terms of this DLC. They haven't announced any others. Um, there is a Life is Strange remaster coming out, and that's Life is Strange and Before the Storm. But uh, I don't really have an interest in playing those games. Again. No, yeah, no, that's not the same as, as a whole new no. something. So, all right. Well, very cool. So thanks for playing that. So I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think of all of them, you would enjoy this one. But uh, I, I can I can fully appreciate that your hesitation to go back. It's uh, a bit of a mountain to climb for me. But, yeah. you know, maybe maybe if I have nothing else to play at some point in time, then I'll, <laughs> I'll give this a look. True. You know, my backlog is tiny, so you never know. This is hey, definitely gonna happen. <laughs> it comes to Game Pass, boot it up. That's true. Honestly, if it was free on Game Pass, if it was free on Game Pass, then maybe I'd check it out. Yeah. Maybe. Are you about to tell me it's free on Game Pass? It's not. No, it's not. On okay, Game good. Pass. <laughs> I was it gonna say, oh man, eventually. Ryan's gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna hold you to that. And I'll be like, damn it. <laughs> no, it's, when it comes to Game Pass, yeah, if I, think I don't have to pay for it, then I'll give it a shot. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. We'll see. Uh, if you guys like the show that we produce, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support us. Thank you so much to our patron of the month this month, Ocularis. Thank you again for supporting the gamers in. Another amazing cause that you can support is Extra Life. We are in our 10th year as a team. You can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021 if you would like to support us. We are going to be starting off our streams later on in the month of October. With the highly anticipated by me, House of Ashes, which is the next installment in the Dark Pictures anthology, probably the one I'm least interested in so far of the three, to be honest, but I did very much enjoy the previous games in the Dark Pictures anthology. So I'm kind of, even though it looks a little bit like sci-fi military, and you guys know I like my fantasy over my sci-fi, but uh, I'm still thinking that, you know, it'll it'll have the spoops, so I'm in. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be streaming that when it comes out, and then uh, we have game day coming up in November. So there's going to be lots of streams, lots of stuff going on. If you'd like to support the Children's Miracle Network, of hospitals through us at the Gamers Inn through the Extra Life charity event. You can go to again bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021. Uh Ryan, you're also doing a Marvel Avengers stream and that's that's coming on up. Yeah, yeah. So uh next Friday, October 15th at 8 p.m. shoulder injuries uh, uh hopefully healing up. One of our players uh, uh got injured so hope feeling better soon whirlwind but uh we're gonna be playing marvel avengers uh on twitch and uh we're looking forward to it all in support of extra life and um hopefully crofton can sort out we we had a couple of you know play sessions where he didn't know how to like sign into his square enix account and subscribe to playstation plus it was his first time so um hopefully he's able to sort that out i might have to do tech support at like 7 30 but uh We'll get in there. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. And as always, looking forward to raising money for a great cause. Uh, that brings us to the news portion of the show today. And uh, basically, we had super little, small, tiny news chunks. Basically, uh, there's going to be on December 9th, the Game Awards is coming back. 
uh, live in person, which is kind of a crazy choice in this day and age, but it's what they've decided to do. So um, you can, you know, get all the info from Twitter. We've got a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, basically December 9th, live and in person, the Game Awards, they're back. And also uh, we've got Smash Brothers Ultimate final DLC character is from Kingdom Hearts. It's Sora. I don't know who that is because I'll be honest, I didn't get very far into Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> so I did not. Well, it's funny that you you must not have gotten very far because it is the main character. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> I, honestly, like I think I played for like maybe an hour and I remember it came out uh, when we had uh, one of Matt's friends was living here and he played a lot of it, oh, okay. but I never got into it. And yeah, so I just I yeah. I think I played like they might have introduced the villain. <laughs> like I played kind of like the first level. Like that's I yeah, it, did, it didn't grab me. <laughs> yeah. And I I've, I've certainly been playing more anime games since this came out and I it's it's too much for me. I I I think it came out on Game Pass. I played a little bit of it. I knew I knew who Sora was cuz you know Kingdom Hearts is obviously this beloved franchise that uh, that people really really love and it's uh it's been around for for quite a while. And Sora is the main character voiced by, um, I think, the guy from uh, uh, I See Dead People guy, I think it is. I can't remember now. It's a little kid from that 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 movie. I could be completely wrong. It's not the point. The <laughs> point is that they've added Sora to Smash Brothers, and this is the final DLC. The final DLC for this game, it's had two season passes, and this is the last one. They made a, a huge deal out of that. And I think when you look at this character and you look at the the fandom behind him, this fits as a really good final DLC. Even if it's not for me, I can appreciate that people really wanted this character. And I can appreciate that, you know, have this little kid swinging around like a keyblade. That sounds really cool. Uh, the, the important thing to note here is that obviously Kingdom Hearts being a very much uh, Final Fantasy-esque combination of final fantasy and uh and disney characters there are no disney characters in this dlc they have um almost comedically you know covered them up legit like in this area where yeah as as your battles in the final in the stage that comes with the dlc as the battle is concluding there'll be like the stained glass art in the background which is based on some very real artwork from the game series but they've placed the character and moved the icons around in the background so that the character art that's covering over the stained glass is covering what the Disney characters, where the Disney characters would be. <laughs> um, the final smash, uh, where you'd think, oh, this is where clearly where they would pay a little bit of money to have Dis you know Disney characters sprinkled in. No, there's there's no Disney characters. It's just Final Fantasy characters and and Final Fantasy esque characters that mm. are in this DLC, but. To be expected, like I feel like Nintendo, I can understand them putting Sora in, and I can certainly understand them wanting to avoid, you know, paying Disney to to include Mickey, Goofy, and Donald, which are key characters from Kingdom Hearts. Feels weird to say that out loud, but it's it's true. Uh, Donald <laughs> Duck plays a critical role in uh, in this game. So yeah, it's uh, it's out October eighteenth, and that like I said, if you have the second fighter pack, you you have this uh, character coming to you. Um, in just a couple of weeks. So look forward to that. All right. So uh, we've been alluding to it all episode, but uh, if you guys didn't hear, I did put an announcement about this in our Discord channel when it broke this morning because um, it's just such a 
massive security breach. Uh, Twitch has been breached in a just a, like I I can't really um, emphasize enough to you guys like what a, a kind of historic level of breach this is. Uh, in in our space, anyways, in our space, there's obviously been all kinds of crazy information security events that have been happening um, and only ramping up over time. But uh, yeah, in our kind of like sphere of gaming, like this, this is just absolutely huge. So um, first and foremost, right off the top, before we get into all the nitty gritty and all of that kind of stuff about what happened and everything else, um, PSA for everybody, um, if you are an affiliate or partner make sure that you go and change your PayPal info as well. I think that's a, something that a lot of people are potentially missing here um, is that uh, if you have, so if you have linked your PayPal account and you are a viewer and you like sub to people or buy bits or whatever, then that's, that seems to knock on wood at this point in time be okay. Uh, but if you are ever paid by Twitch through their partner or affiliate program, uh, like for your share of subs. And if you have given them your PayPal information with which to pay you, you're going to want to go and make sure that your PayPal hasn't been breached and you're going to want to change your passwords over there. Um, but in terms of Twitch things, everyone should be changing your passwords changing your stream key and enabling two-factor authentication. Um, in terms of two-factor authentication, Twitch does support um, both like the Google Authenticator app as well as um, two-factor through SMS. Always choose the non-SMS option if you are able to make use of it. Um, SMS is not very secure, so um, using other solutions is always better. So uh, go in, change your password, change your stream key, enable two-factor authentication. And then if you're a partner or affiliate, go and make sure that you do those things over on the PayPal side as well. Now, why all of this caution? Why are we worried, Jocelyn? Things are breached all the time. My emails get leaked. My password is leaked. What's the problem? Well, the problem is this uh, part one, as it's called, of this data breach was 125 gigabytes posted on 4chan, which includes three years worth of details regarding creator payouts on Twitch, the entirety of Twitch.tv with all of its commit history going back to the early beginnings of the platform. It is the source code. It's the SDKs. It's the internal Amazon Web Server services that are used by Twitch. It included details and code about an unreleased Steam competitor, which we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but <laughs> there's that, um, as well as data about other Twitch platforms like CurseForge, which is, um, if you guys don't play MMOs, you may not know, but CurseForge is basically like a repository for add-ons for the games. And then... And this is the one I think is freaking huge. Um, which is basically internal security tools, which is their red team kit, which I'll talk about in a bit too. So this is like not only leaking, potentially like leaking, well, first of all, creator payment details. Like we don't know how much information in terms of like personal data and like account information and stuff. We don't know how much of that has been leaked. Again, this is a huge leak. It's 125 gigs of information that is like, 
it's all like tech stuff that we're talking about, right? Like you might think, oh, 125 gigs, that's not a big deal. That's, you know, like a couple of AAA titles or something. But when you stop and think about it, like there's like no art assets, there's no like video, there's no sound, there's no anything else. It's all just data. Like that is so much information. <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is this is very, 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 very big. So people are still sifting through it. So it's hard to say at this point in time, like Ryan said, this is very much a breaking story. It happened this morning. We don't know a lot of information. Twitch has only basically said um, the most minimal of minimal statements. All they've said is we can confirm a breach has taken place. Our teams are working with e urgency to understand the extent of this. We will update the community as soon as additional information is available. Thank you for bearing with us. That was hours and hours and hours ago. Uh, and woefully, like, un, like, oh my God, I can't, oh my God, the amount of information that they are holding back right now is just ridiculous because I think they have an obligation to both their business partner, partners in streamers, as well as their, their viewers and anybody else that basically uses their platform. They have a responsibility to those people to let them know what of their personal data, if any, has been leaked to the public because... I don't know about everybody else, but I regard my phone number and address as those are my like most highly guarded secrets. <laughs> like I don't talk about where I live hardly at all ever. Um, and I do that very specifically because I'm a woman on the internet and having too much of my actual location out there <laughs> scares me a lot. <laughs> so um, yeah, like I, I do think that Twitch has an obligation to let us know what has actually been leaked. And, you know, the, the fact that it's taken them so long to actually tell us is disgusting, but that's a whole other issue. Um, so what this breach basically means, like I said off the top, the name of the breach on 4chan was part one, which is uh, kind of concerning because it means that there's a potential for even more information to be out there that hasn't been made public yet. And... There's no, like, this isn't a ransomware situation. Like, they literally just put it all on the internet. <laughs> like, they didn't want anything for it. They just put it all out there. And they basically said that they wanted to disrupt the streaming, um, like, culture. And that, which, I mean, I was talking to Ryan Freeshow, and I was like, it's kind of ironic that the guy on 4chan says that the Twitch community is toxic. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> but I mean, does that speak to his lack of self-awareness or their lack of self-awareness? Or does that speak to how truly toxic Twitch has become to the point that even 4chan thinks you're bad? <laughs> like, you know, which, which scenario are you looking at right now? It could really realistically be either one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's a, a whole lot to process on a, on a what day is it wednesday morning and as you said like uh twitch's response um came hours after we were reading about everything that was leaked and and there has not been anything since and uh i think there's even like a, a legal obligation that they have to say what happened and i could be wrong they do yeah no there is absolutely like uh, especially in the states there are quite large um fines and, and legal repercussions if you have a data breach and don't report it um i think in this case like everybody reported it for twitch but they do definitely have an obligation to um track down what happened and and let everybody know uh what has been breached but like 
I mean, if my name, address, and phone number are out there on some lit list, like next to my Twitch account information, like that is not okay. And I need to know that sooner rather than later. So yeah, it's really, really scary and frustrating. Yeah, 100%. And I think that there, there may even be like you see, again, we don't know for certain if that information is there, although we do know that Twitch was storing that information because it's what's it's what's it's what it's the information they need. But um, like stuff like that financial information, like that's almost like at a, at a level where they might have to provide, um, you know, credit monitoring, because you see that a lot when banks are hacked or banks have leaks of information. Um, they will have to provide, you know, uh, free credit monitoring to to anybody who who makes that that you know, who makes a claim essentially, um, and like a lot of the focus on the leak from the streamer side has been like sort of this you know uh, the, these payout lists that have been going around, and but but for me like that is that is a big deal. But you also come back to sort of the when when we say like the entirety of Twitch out like as a service, not necessarily the content, but as a service, like all of it's now out there. Like they they did not put, you know, the, it, it it's publicly listed for for people to download. There's no cost. There's no barrier, mm-hmm. um, and that is that has got to be uh, very scary for a lot of people in terms of like even just. Like, what do you, like, this is, I, I immediately think back to what happened with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk and how their whole game's source code and a lot of the source code that they had for a lot of their projects was was leaked. And, you know, that that's just like, that is a video game, like a single player game. And they were thinking about doing multiplayer and where that comes in is like, you know, multi, having multiplayer code allows them to maybe reverse engineer it and come out with hacks. But uh, like you look at this, it's like, this is a big deal. And then like, this is a, a service that makes millions of, I don't even know if they, they've gotten to billions, but definitely millions of dollars that, that is now all out there. And, uh, obviously there'll be more and more details as, as things go on, uh, as we, as we learn more, but this is going to be some, some tough days ahead. And I know a lot of, I've, there's a lot of articles out there and some of them have even highlighted some of the, some of the streamers who have had their information leak kind of like, taking it in stride and, and doing their best to kind of just uh, to to live with this. I, I think some of them had like in their, their Twitch titles, like number 39, you know, <laughs> number 39 earner or whatever. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's the thing. So like, um, I think a lot of people were shocked at some of the, the numbers that they saw on some of those spreadsheets. Cause that was the thing. They basically um, put out payout information uh, all the way back to, I believe it was August 2019 or maybe 2018. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, they they put out a few years worth of payment information or payout information that then was aggregated into this list of the top 100 streamers and how much they earned in that time frame. And um, they're like, <laughs> a lot of people seem to be shocked by that. And I'm just like, um, we don't know what every creator's like uh, agreement is with Twitch. But um, many of them make their sub counts public. I'm fairly certain that like stream elements and like uses the Twitch API to be able to pull those numbers because it's a command you can put into your chat 
And you can like you can literally do like exclamation sub count in people's chats if they're running stream elements. And that's one of the things that has popped up if the creators enabled it. Um, so it's like it's it's available in the um, in the API. And it's also uh, like I say, a lot of a lot of streamers will, you know, have goals or have whatever's um, or counts of how many subs that they have on a stream. And if you're watching somebody who is streaming to 25,000 players or 25,000 viewers and they've got a little counter of subs they've got in a day and it's like 500 subs. We don't know what everybody's partner agreement looks like, but the basic partner agreement with Twitch is 50-50. So if, they're, if they've got like 500 subs in that day's stream and they're making $2.50 on every single one of those, like do the math, guys. That's going to add up. Like these people are rich people. <laughs> like these streamers are rich streamers. <laughs> so um I don't really like, I don't know where that kind of level of surprise comes from, but like that information, that payout information has definitely been garnering the most um, buzz, I guess, today, because it's the flashiest thing, right? It's the who's actually a millionaire of this data breach. But I think what's more important and why this is potentially so disastrous for the platform is the fact that their red team kit leaked. So if you guys don't know, like basically what that is, um, in information security, there's um, at, at a very, very basic level, there are red teams and blue teams. And red teams are made up of penetration testers, which is a nice industry term for hackers. They work for Twitch and they figure out how to break Twitch. And the blue team figures out how to patch the holes that they find. So the red team kit is basically every way that Twitch's internal hackers have found to break Twitch and to get information out of Twitch. And basically, it's a all of Twitch's vulnerabilities in one spot. And so that's been made public for anyone who wants it, <laughs> for any, any potential reason. So even if this data breach doesn't have your information in it, Anyone who has that red team kit could potentially use it to breach Twitch in the future. This is huge. It's basically an instruction manual on how to hack the how to hack Twitch. Um, and I, like it just blows my mind. <laughs> like, how does this happen? How does this happen? Um, it's just it's absolutely incredible to me. Um, and so it's, it's going to be, uh, scary for a while, I think, <laughs> as, cause I mean, this is a platform that a lot of us engage with in a lot of different ways, almost daily, if not daily. And so, uh, to, to see this kind of data breach is just incredible. And like I said, this, the, the file name on 4chan was also named part one. Now that could be like somebody tooting their own horn and trying to pretend they're bigger than they are. Um, or it could mean, there are many parts to this. We don't even know if it's a one and two. It could be a one to 10, a one to 100. We have no idea how big this breach is, again, because Twitch hasn't come out and told us. So um, again, on a very, very basic level, that's kind of what that means. <laughs> so yeah, it's a really big deal. But Ryan, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was the source code that was found for the Steam competitor, because I think anyone who's been paying attention has probably realized that Amazon's kind of dipping their toe into this realm. 
Um, they've obviously released New World, which is their first like their first real game, right? Like other than their like released and then canceled title, which I can't even remember the name of now. But um, New World is kind of their 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 big thing right now. And so they've also through Twitch been kind of playing around. There's like the prime gaming stuff where you get like all kinds of different things for all kinds of different games. You can buy games like through Twitch. You can um, like there's a whole bunch of things where like you can buy the game that your creator is playing and you do that. It's basically like an Amazon affiliate link, like that kind of stuff. So they've already been kind of flirting with the edges of being a Steam competitor. But then to like just to be a game platform is like (laughs) Twitch, get streaming right, okay? And then we can talk about you branching out. Like for fuck's sakes. (laughs) Yeah, I know they've uh, I know they've dabbled with uh, crafting apps and stuff. And I, I think they still have the Twitch app that that like you said links into the the Twitch gaming prime or whatever. Uh, but I think they have, I don't know if they've moved away from that. Uh, the app has certainly changed from like a storefront to just be like a, like a, Hey, we host some of these games here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like a, a steam competitor, like a launcher, essentially uh, they don't, yeah. they don't, they don't call it a launcher. They call, they specifically call it a steam competitor. So, I mean, that argument is, is not even true. Like I, I think like from a steam competitor, you know, Amazon is one of the, is the biggest on time online uh not necessarily on time but online retailer <laughs> and uh and zing ryan you get him <laughs> well you know i was gonna make a i was gonna make a joke about uh my metroid dread better be here on time because we're heading into a three-day weekend but that's best buy not amazon so i can't even make that <laughs> argument but um amazon's been pretty slow on their video game stuff i'm just saying uh you know groceries and diapers no problem but uh but video games is another story. Um, it, it makes sense for them to kind of like try to move into that realm, especially when you look at what Epic has been able to do. I feel like Amazon has Amazon levels of money. So like, I'm not necessarily saying I can't wait for the Amazon launcher. Well, money and supplier relationships and, and all that kind of stuff. Like you would think that of all people, it might be easiest for them to move into the space for sure. Um, I just, I mean, I get frustrated as as a streamer and as a woman in the space with their, just their lack of everything. Like their, and how they just don't seem to really care <laughs> about their streamers on their platform. So, I mean, like, there's definitely a lot of dev time that needs to be put into Twitch as a service. And it seems like all the things that people keep asking for just get like brushed off with, oh, don't worry, we commit to be better. But then they don't actually ever do shit. So, you know, like to see them like that, they've got source code for competing with Steam. It's just like, oh, like, of course you do. And I get that you need to make money. But also, like, I've now seen how much money your top 100 streamers make and you get half of that. Fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I have no sympathy. <laughs> no, I, I like I, I certainly understand where you're coming from, and I think that uh, you know there was even part a lot of a lot of the stories you're you're going to read about this are going to include the fact that it took you know Twitch two months to go from saying we're going to do something about these hate raids that are going on to to enabling I think uh, it was you know further control for your who can chat in your chat and it was essentially. Um, was it, it was like requiring people to have verified emails and verified mm-hmm. phone numbers, which 
you know, is a step, but like the two months, really? Well, and so like what, what some people have been saying is that they want an ability to like block certain usernames because that's one of the big things that's going on with these hate raids right now is that they're all the same, like variations of the same username because the person who's responsible for it wants attention. Yeah. So every single one of the, the accounts being used for these hate raids has Hoss in it, H-O-S-S, every single one of them. They are variations of that. So if I could just block those four letters and say, I don't want them to follow me, raid me, watch me, none of it, just like block them, they no longer exist to me, like that shuts him down. All he wants is attention. So uh, give me that functionality. And Twitch is just like, la, 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 what? Like, so yeah, like I, it's so frustrating. Um, so yeah, I mean, to see, uh, I'm not surprised what they're using their dev time for, but it's like, it's, it's like reinforcing the fact that they don't care at all about, um, like any of the things that they've said that they've cared about in the past few years, um, Black Lives Matter, uh, representation on their platform, issues with harassment and gaming, like none of that, anything that they've ever done, any cause that they've ever championed, like they don't care. And I mean, this shouldn't be a gigantic shock. I mean, no corporation ever really cares about anything but your wallet, but like they try to pretend and now we a hundred percent know they don't care. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, like, I don't know. So anyways, this is, it's very much like a developing story. We will keep you guys up to date. We'll let you know what's going on. We'll let you know if there are any other, um, like any more information officially from Twitch to confirm what was taken and how, because that's also another big question here is how did this actually happen? Um, there were a lot of kind of questions around maybe it was an internal leak, but um, it seems honestly, it seems too big to be internal at least like that's kind of my gut feeling now again like i am very much like a first year student in this crap i don't know shit i know i don't know shit <laughs> but like when i when i look at this and i think like <laughs> information security 101 is like least privilege right like the only stuff that you get access to is stuff that you need to do your job which makes me think that if you've got like stuff from like the the um the the commit history you've got sdks you've got uh payout information you've got aws service stuff you've got source code for unreleased like applications and things you've got security tools like you're just you're you're going even across products right because remember all that stuff about curseforge and everything else like that's too many things unless like jeff bezos leaked this <laughs> you know like because they should in theory, exist in like silos, right? And mm. no one should really internally have access to all this stuff unless they're at the very top of the top. And uh, I can't really ever see somebody at the very top of the top releasing this information, leaking this information. So again, like I, I it was my first impression because it was just so much and it was all right because that was the first thing that we saw this morning was not, Twitch verifying it, but some of the creators on the earnings list coming out and saying, yeah, you know what? I went back, I calculated how much Twitch has paid me and this, this breach is valid. Uh, and so, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I, I have a question. As someone yeah. who, who is studying InfoSec right now, like, probably not a good idea to confirm the details are correct. Like, your de- like that just seems like maybe not a good idea, right? To do that. Well, I mean, it's so, yeah, like, probably different schools of thought. Um, I don't know the 100% answer to that question because there's almost like a morality that comes into it, right? Like, right. Because, um, like, Twitch wasn't saying anything. This information is out there. Um, confirming the validity of the information is almost like a public safety thing. So from a greater good perspective, I think you could argue that confirming the breach is correct helps to notify the most amount of people about their own personal information in the least amount of time. That being said, as soon as people confirm that it's real, then people are going to flock to it, right? So you're also like, you're increasing the visibility of the breach to people who are potentially affected, but then also to people who are potentially going to use it for like bad purposes, right? So it's it's not an easy question to answer. I think um, personally, you maybe wouldn't want to verify it. Um, but then again, they were basically just saying like, yeah, that's how much money I earned. Right. Which is it's which is one of those things. It's not like they were saying like, yes, that is my address. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, or yes, that is my social security number. Like, so I mean, the the data that was being kind of passed around in terms of the earnings is very much one of those things where it's like people generally don't like talking about money, but it's more a social taboo as opposed to actually like a um like a security breach, you know what I mean? Like, um, knowing how much money you make, it just kind of might make people look at you differently from a, like, feelings perspective, but it's not like I can take your three-year earnings from Twitch and use that against you really in any meaningful way. I can't go to your bank and be like, hey, this person made $2.5 million, give me it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the bank's gonna be like, you're crazy, no. <laughs> no, that, so, it makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah. So I, I yeah, I think I, I see where the question comes from and I don't hundred percent know the answer, but that's my like gut feeling is that, you know, it it was for the greater good and I can commend that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think uh that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of um I, I think just the the weird gap between all this information coming out and all this these news stories and the the tweet from from twitch it just it feels like such a long time because any amount of time between like hey this is this is a leak to the company actually confirming it, it it's a crate it, like it, it's only hours but that seems like such a huge gap um and i think the longer you know the, the fact that they call this part one even if part two is I don't even I can't even fathom what part two could be because like part one feels like so <laughs> substantial. Um, yeah. But I feel though that if Twitch stays the longer Twitch stays silent um, on this stuff and and you know past behavior from the company has certainly shown that they are very capable of of going radio silent. Um, it would be detrimental, <laughs> I think, to to their business to kind of just you know go silent because again if this if this keeps keeps coming um because again like it, 
the, when it did leak, it felt like we knew right away everything that was in that leak, you know, including like the Steam competitor and other data from Twitch properties and stuff. So I just, I, you're right. Like it's a frustrating time. It's a scary time. Like we, we know kind of what's in this leak, but as you said, it's a, it's a large amount of data. Um, yeah, it's a lot of data to parse through. And I'm sure that like a lot of like the, all of the things that I rattled off off the top are very much a surface level um, kind of discovery of that 125 gigs of data. I think it's very much like the um, equivalent of like reading a table of contents mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, you know, having a chance to actually read the book. So I think that as more and more people start to read the book, we're going to realize that there's maybe more in here than we thought originally. Um, and like I said, um, the fact that the um, internal security tools, the the red team kit was leaked is probably the biggest deal and the thing to watch is how quickly twitch verifies that and basically like plugs any existing holes and that would make them liable and you know vulnerable to any kind of breaches in the next few days because you have to think that anybody who has their hands on that who has malicious intent is currently trying to breach twitch like that's that's where my head immediately goes is like if I don't like Twitch and I am an axe to grind and I have some computer knowledge, then I'm probably grabbing this and running with it. So um, that almost worries me more (laughs) because Mm -hmm. this original breach does seem very targeted at Twitch itself, but there's nothing to say that um, this toolkit in the wrong hands won't target users. So um, yeah, I think it's it's very much a story to keep your eyes on. And it's also very much a story that we will update you guys on next week when we hopefully have more information. But in the meantime, stay safe online, you guys. Be careful, keep your eyes open and uh, and pay attention to this story as it develops, please. Because I know a lot of you out there are Twitch users and I would hate for something bad to happen. So if you would like to keep up with the story and to talk to your fellow TGI-ites, head on over to our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is Nar Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. That sounded like such a sad bye, everyone. Okay, Uh, (laughs) clear clear the lines. Bye, everyone. No, that's too high. Bye, everyone. <laughs> better be happy middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need like a good middle. You're right. It was it was a little low. Like, bye, everyone. I'll just I'll just cut it out from the last episode. <laughs> probably what I'll do. I think you should just leave all this in. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Okay, bye, everyone. There, that's the one. All right, nailed it. Yeah.